0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone,
1: and welcome into the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock. No Ben Stevens with you guys here today. He'll be back with you on Monday. Thankfully, we have some real live football to talk about. I know not everyone loves preseason football as much as me, but uh, I took in, you know, most of that last night. Loved watching Malik Cunningham run around. I thought Drew Drew Locke looked okay. I think there are a, a reasonable number of takeaways that we can have for both fantasy football and the regular season. Not a ton of baseball yesterday. We had four games in the morning. We had four games at night. The, uh, the minus The 400 Colorado, Colorado Rockies, Los Angeles Dodgers game didn't exactly end how you would think. Uh, pretty, pretty close margins there. We did get to see our first look at C.J. Stroud yesterday. And to be honest, the uh, the primary takeaway that a lot of us had from that game was that C.J. Stroud looked like he was going to struggle a little bit. Now obviously the very first action that you're going to get as a professional quarterback is not always going to be the easiest. I think it was pretty clear to see why the team wanted CJ Stroud to get some action. I don't really think they know what their plan is on offense as of yet. Um you know CJ Stroud did not run very much in college, but obviously one of the things that he could offer as he is he's an athletic guy I mean is CJ Stroud Kyler Murray is he Lamar Jackson is he Anthony Richardson of course not but he is reasonably athletic and really the way that the NFL is drifting is you kind of need that athleticism at the quarterback position you know the the days of uh Kirk Cousins standing in the pocket you know not 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 being real mobile not really moving around those days are kind of over Stroud played uh, two series with the first team offense, he had uh, six dropbacks and he scrambled on two of those. He did throw an interception. Um, am I am I sounding the panic alarm on CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans? Not really. Um, I didn't expect them to be very good in the first place. Sort of one of the things that was important to take notice of, though, if you want to be betting on the Houston Texans, if you are, you know, drafting Damian Pierce or any of these guys, Robert Woods tank Dell in your fantasy leagues uh, would be that they played a ton of heavy personnel when CJ Stroud was in there. The, the first series that CJ Stroud played, not only did they play 12 personnel for the entire time, they actually played a set of 13 personnel, I guess, depending on how you classify, uh, I believe his name is Bobby slope kick. He's like a an H back. He's like a, a tight end fullback type guy. That means, I, I guess it means sort of what we expected, which is that D'Amico Ryans is going to come in to Houston and immediately want to replicate what his most successful teams are doing, both when he was a player and when he was a coach for San Francisco, which is a lot of heavy personnel, a lot of running. I would imagine Damian Pierce is set up to get something crazy, like, I don't know, 270 carries that uh, this year. The biggest play of the game, obviously, was University of Houston Wide receiver Tank Dell scores a touchdown. If you uh, if you didn't happen to see the highlight, it was a little bit of a ridiculous play. Corner of the end zone, right by the pylon. Davis Mills tosses it to him. He bobbles it to himself. Is on the ground, flat on his butt. Happens to catch the ball. It was uh, it was a pretty cool play. But eight targets for Tank Dell, all in the first half. You know the the Texans' wide receiver room sort of interesting. We've got uh, Robert Woods, who's making ten million dollars guaranteed. They have Xavier Hutchinson. Welcome to everyone on radio here on Sports Grid. I'm Davis Maddock, no Ben Stevens, with you guys here on the morning after. We are going to be chatting baseball. We are going to be chatting preseason NFL. We're going to be taking a look, of course, at the 2023 NFL season. We've got an absolute jam-packed show for you here today, so I hope that you hang out with me for the next two hours as my old friends Mike Blewett, George Kurtz, and, of course, my Fantasy Sports Today co-host Craig Mish hop on with me as we bet on a bunch of baseball and we fire maybe we fire some preseason NFL bets. We'll see if I'm able to convince Blewett into joining me there uh we got a full slate of major league baseball games today which you absolutely love to see I personally I hate the Thursdays I do not enjoy the uh, the four game four game split uh we also have the English Premier League season starting this afternoon and then it gets underway uh, in earnest. So I might, uh, I might have to slip a couple notes to my producers to have some English premier league chatter in there. We just had the, uh, the transfer window is still wide open. One of the largest stars in the entire world. The, the the greatest number nine England has ever had Sir Harold of Kane, Harry Kane seems like he is going to be leaving Tottenham Hotspur and moving to Germany to play for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. We've got a couple marquee matchups in baseball tonight. Well, I wish Angels Astros was a marquee matchup. Doesn't really look like it is. We have the uh, the i seventy the i seventy series between the Cardinals and the Royals again. No one cares about that, but me. Uh, we also have Blake Snell taking the mound, continuing his effort to win a Cy Young. And the Cy Young, by the way, very open for Blake Snell after that awful start that Spencer Strider had against the Pittsburgh Pirates earlier in the week. The Los Angeles Dodgers continuing to beat up on the Colorado Rockies. The Braves. The poor Mets fans. I know there are a lot of Mets fans here at Sports Grid and who watch Grid. Really, really feeling for you guys. And then a series that the Cincinnati Reds at 57 need to be crushing, which is against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So really an information-packed show for you guys. I mean, we are going to be touching on a little bit of everything here on the program. Hope that you guys hang out with me for the next two hours as all my buddies come on talk about the world of sports wagering we're going to go ahead and run into break it's smarter to be on sports grid see you guys back in a few moments
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Hello everyone
1: and welcome back into the morning after here on Sportsgrid. I'm Davis Matic. no Ben Stevens with you guys here today, but I promise we got uh, plenty to keep you entertained. We did get a lot of preseason well not a lot of preseason actually we got a little bit of preseason action yesterday Vikings. Uh, and Seahawks was a more exciting game than Texans, Patriots. I did enjoy seeing Malik Cunningham run around. I really enjoyed watching Malik Cunningham at Louisville and enjoyed watching him play last night. But Vikings-Seahawks had a little bit more action. Drew Locke played a ton. Drew Locke played, um, I mean, really most of the game up until the very last drives for Seattle, and I guess it makes sense why the Seattle Seahawks would want to do that you, you kind of want to know if Drew Locke has anything. Like, do you want to keep Drew Locke as a backup quarterback? And Geno signed a contract that they can get out of really easily. Drew Locke is an unrestricted free agent after this season. There's definitely value and just having a backup that knows the system, a backup that the starting quarterback likes. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing, right? Having a relationship between your backup quarterback and your starting quarterback, having a relationship between the backup quarterback and the head coach. Drew Locke was like a good player at Missouri. I I never was that big on, on Drew Locke as a prospect. I think the, I mean, this happens every time there's like a mediocre, quarterback in the big 12 or in the sec who puts up big numbers in their final season they always get rumored as a first round pick and then it never happens but Locke went 17 for 24 191 yards two touchdowns and one pick i didn't really think any of the skill position players for seattle you know i don't think any of them really did anything that made me super excited i did think it was nice to see Zach Charbonnet work in the passing game he's coming back from that shoulder injury a lot of people were just sort of wondering well what's the big idea why would you spend a top 50 pick on Zach Charbonnet when you have Kenneth Walker who was so good last season to begin with the Seattle Seahawks they do really prioritize that running back position it's very important part of their offense and Pete Carroll Definitely doesn't care that much about positional value because, well, maybe he does care a lot about positional value, but he thinks the running back position is very important. And Kenneth Walker was not a particularly good pass-catching running back last season. He's also dealing with a groin injury right now. Charbonnet did get two receptions with the uh, the facsimile, first-team offense, two targets, two receptions. Jackson Smith and Jigba played enough to get four targets, three receptions. For 25 yards that's probably one of the larger questions this season both in fantasy football and how effective can the Seattle Seahawks be I think we saw some real limitations to Seattle's offense last year when you are forcing an offense to play so much out of 12 personnel like the Seattle Seahawks did last year they had Will Disley they had Noah Fant they had Colby Parkinson and actually even Tyler Mabry who played a little bit last night All of those guys were getting real first-team snaps on offense. I think if you replace, let's call it 60% of those 12 personnel snaps with Jackson Smith and Jigba, this unbelievably talented slot-wide receiver coming out of Ohio State, the odds of Geno having a way better season, the odds of the Seattle Seahawks making the playoffs, I mean, let's be clear, the NFC is a bad conference. You have the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Cowboys are close to the Eagles, definitely not quite to that level. You have the 49ers, but the 49ers, as we talked about yesterday here on the program, their quarterback situation could go south so fast. I mean, I am not a big believer in Brock Purdy. I think Purdy's fine. I think he's uh, he's the mailman, right? He delivers, but I think Gino actually probably is a little bit better. Like to me, the Seahawks, I think, could win the division. My friend Mark Zeno, who was on the program with me yesterday, he disagreed with that. But uh I do think I, I do think that uh Smith and Jigba is going to be a big part as for fantasy football. I don't think we learned a ton about the Seattle Seahawks. I do think we learned a little bit about the Minnesota Vikings. So the first being, we don't really know what their running back situation is going to be. I don't think Alexander Madison is locked in to being the number one unquestioned Dalvin cook role running back. And We've had some real questions on who the number two running back is going to be. The only one who's gotten any good reviews in camp actually did not play yesterday. Kenny and Wangu out of Iowa State, who really wasn't even a running back at college. He really was like a kick returner, kick punt returner, sort of drafted for his special teams. He's reportedly been the only running back in training camp who sort of impressed the staff. The beat writers have been really down on Ty Chandler, but then. Ty Chandler shows up yesterday, 11 carries for 41 yards, and I think more importantly, four targets, four receptions, and 29 yards in the passing game, because that would sort of be the role you would imagine he would fill. He'd play on some third downs. He'd play on some long down distance. He would spell Alexander Madison. Dwayne McBride was a really good rusher in college, but it's it's very important to note, this guy did not operate as a pass catcher at all at UAB. Five receptions in his entire collegiate career compared to 484 carries. I think that that role seems almost locked in for Ty Chandler at this point because Kenny Wongu is banged up. Jordan Addison came in, three targets, one reception, and 22 yards. I mean, he was forced to play with Nick Mullins. Maybe a little bit disappointing that Jaron Hall only went six for 14. Eight two sacks and didn't even run the ball at all either. Like that probably was the more surprising part was that Jaron Hall, who was a pretty good rusher in college at BYU, didn't really perform as a rusher at all yesterday. So big takeaways. Ty Chandler looks like the second running back for the Vikings. And I really enjoyed watching Zach Charbonnet and Jackson Smith and Jigba function in the passing game. Moving on now to baseball. Uh, me and Scotty Farrell's favorite bet of this entire week was betting on the Baltimore Orioles when they were dogs against Houston, Baltimore ekes out a win. Dean Kramer. I i mean, I can't even count how many times I've said something negative about Dean Kramer or Grayson Rodriguez or Kyle Gibson. I mean, every day I come on our programs here at sports grid and I say, man, it would be great if Baltimore had someone to pitch for them because their offense is absolutely Fantastic, but they do eke out the win yesterday. Five earned runs for Hunter Brown. Not, not, uh, definitely not the start that you would have wanted, uh, to see out of him. And the Orioles just, I mean, they really do continue to basically be the best offense in baseball. You, you really can't do anything to stop them. And I, I, I mean, not that the Astros offense is any bad. Home run for Altuve yesterday, home run for Yanier Diaz. And that is, I think, a huge edge. For the Houston Astros is that they are getting something out of their catcher position. But guess what? So are so are the Baltimore Orioles, although the Orioles yesterday actually chose to DH Adley Rutschman and have uh, McCann play catcher. I don't always love uh, Austin Hayes and Ramon Urias. I actually, something that I would be doing if I was in charge of the Orioles, not that anyone would ever put me in that position, but I would actually just be playing Colton Kowser every single day right now. Uh, I know he's been brutal. I believe he has a 33 OPS plus right now. That is amongst uh, that's got that's got to be amongst the worst in the. In fact, I I would almost assure it's amongst the worst in the league uh, for all outfielders. But more positive movement actually in the American League pennant yesterday when we were doing the program. The Baltimore Orioles were plus five fifty over on the FanDuel sportsbook. Now they are up to plus five hundred. So if you would have bet. With us yesterday, you would have gotten a little bit of closing line value there for the orioles. I still wish I wish they had something at uh, at starting pitcher and the mariners by the way, continuing to uh to ascend up the board there I just something about this Astros team does leave me feeling a little bit empty, and i don't really know what it is, perhaps it's that John singleton is playing first base I, I guess that is really what it is is that. All these other teams in the American League have all of these crazy first basemen who are, you know, going to be putting up DH style numbers. And the Astros just have not been able to figure out that position at all. You know, Jose Abreu, they've been they've been DHing all kinds of guys this year who are really not up to snuff. But they do always seem to find a way in the end. I will continue to root on our Baltimore Orioles. Tickets. My friend Mike Blewett is going to be joining the program here next. We are going to be talking some preseason NFL. Can't wait to do that. Craig Mish later in the show. Make sure that you guys aren't going anywhere. It's smarter to be on the grid. See you back with Mike Blewett here in a moment.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined now by my great friend, Mike Blewett. Our, Our producer said... Look, Davis. We know that you could do an hour solo on the five plays that Malik Cunningham had last <laughs> night, but but uh, you know Sussman and Cardano are not on board with that. We need we need a little bit more information. So I'm very glad to be joined by my friend Mike Blue to talk about the preseason action tonight. I and I know I know Craig Mish is out there being like I can't believe Davis is this jazzed to do preseason NFL. Like we could do all the baseball talk <laughs> in the world. Mike, how you doing this morning?
2: I'm doing good. Malik Cunningham running one in at the end of the game, getting the pats on the board, getting the pats in the end zone. So uh big play out there for him. Uh, good to see him get uh, a little bit of uh, some reps under his belt, but let's talk about some action. I'm excited to be here with you. Thanks.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, I actually think we have a couple spots that are going to be pretty exciting tonight. So we have the Browns and the commanders. I think we will see, uh, I think we'll see a, I don't know, two or three series of Deshaun Watson, uh, I would imagine. I don't know how much of Sam Howell and, and Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin we'll see. Probably a little bit. I don't think they will go full reserve because it's also, uh, for the commanders, it's uh, it's one of those spots where their backup quarterback isn't someone they need any information on because they have Jacoby Brissett and also yep. don't really know how much information you need on, on Jake Fromm either. So I, I actually wonder if we get... I don't, maybe a quarter out of the first-team commander's offense. But really, I mean, we have not seen Deshaun Watson play good football now since 2020. Like, I, I actually think if he comes out and looks good tonight and, like, maybe does, like, a has, like, a good little scramble or, or hits Elijah Moore, like, I actually think these betting markets are going to move a little bit because the base assumption in the betting markets and in the fantasy community is that, like, he's going to be all right but that he's definitely lost. There, or there's just something intangibly lost from not having played football for so long.
2: Yeah, uh, I think everything you said is correct. I would also add to the Washington piece, the fact that Eric Bieniemy is obviously bringing in their new scheme. I think you want to see, he's going to want to see his players run live action with his scheme. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see some starters out there for a little longer than you would otherwise see in a, uh, the first preseason game. I think you're right about everything on Watson, and you could be seeing some value now. Look, in 2020, he led the NFL in passing, nearly 4,900 yards. This was – it's strange to say because so much has gone on since. We all know what happened off the field, the suspension and everything else. But he was a top five NFL quarterback in 2020. He was throwing the ball all over the place. He was bad teams, but – He was an elite NFL quarterback. The only question that remains isn't really physical ability, is that with all the stuff that has happened off the field, is he going to be able to make a full comeback mentally so that all of the other stuff that went on in his life, which was his own doing, is distracting him from being great again? That's really my only question about him. Uh, Some of the other stuff keeping keeping the markets down in my eyes are that the Browns have been so reliant on Nick Chubb. They've been seen as a running team and they haven't been as um, they haven't been in in neutral situations, passing as much as other teams, certainly a lot less than other teams. So I think that, I think those factors are what keep the markets down, but for Deshaun Watson to not throw for 4,000 yards this year would be surprising if he played a full season and was his normal self.
1: It would be honestly. So, one thing, I think there's like a chance for friction between Stefanski and Deshaun Watson because Watson so in in Houston, I mean, he called the shots. He was like, this is my offense, we're doing this. And it's not just like Watson, this is actually insane. If you go look it up, Deshaun Watson uh, in modern era NFL, so like post-merger, he actually is the all-time leader in adjusted yards per attempt. No, no one is better. He's better than Mahomes, better than Brady, better than Manning, better than Rodgers. I think, I think maybe like Otto Graham uh, or someone is ahead of him, but that was like, that was like pre-merger. So it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I guess it counts, but he's really good. And I think, I mean, I think obviously he knows that, but Stefanski does not care. Stefanski has called football his whole life the same way. He wants to run the ball. They're going to play a ton of 12 personnel. I actually think this is going to be something we see with CJ Stroud who played last night as well. It's like mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit frustrating for these guys. Like Stroud was the man at Ohio State and faced no friction. They won all the time. He had these the, these amazing wide receivers and now he's like trying to complete passes to Robert Woods when they have three tight ends on the field. Like it's it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. the same thing is going to be true for Watson where he's going to be like I want to open this thing up and he's going to be like, no, you're handing off to John Kelly on second and two. Like that's, that's what we're doing. Right. So I think there's a a little bit of potential for friction there. We'll see. Speaking of friction, um, there, I mean, there's going to be a lot of friction, I think, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year because they're going to stink, uh, as yep. evidenced by the fact that they are really, the, I guess they're the only team with a real quarterback competition and it's the saddest quarterback competition ever another team has given up on Baker Mayfield. I, I will never give up on Baker Mayfield. I, I can't ever, for, I mean, he was so good at Oklahoma and he was so good as a rookie too. Uh, he played he through and he played through an injury. Uh, won one, a road playoff game for the Cleveland Browns. I think people, I think people like do actually forget Baker Mayfield, won a road playoff game for the Cleveland Browns, something I, that I don't believe had ever happened in their franchise history yeah. before. um, Kyle Trask is, is reportedly going to be starting tonight for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, now, now, far be it for me to give out lead pipe locks for a preseason game, but my guess would be we get about a half of the Buccaneers really trying, like, like start, probably not Godwin and Evans, but Kate Otten, I think will be out there. Russell Gage will be out there. Jalen Darden will be out there. Like, I think they're going to try and actually get some information on Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, whereas Mike Tomlin has been in charge of this team longer than I've been alive. Like, we're seeing nothing from the Steelers tonight.
2: I right, that's fair. I, I think that's really the only e- – the, the the true edges that we can get in preseason are when we know that teams are going to have their starters out there for a period of time and, and at least be able to build up a lead. Now, crazy things can happen in second halves of preseason games. We see that a lot. But uh, I think to Davis's point, it's it's certainly something – that you should be taking a look at that when the starters are going to be out there and we know that they have to get a strong look at the QBs. Uh, I think you can presume that they're going to try to put up some points in a big way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it just like if anything for like a confidence boost, like morale can't be that high for the Tampa Buccaneers right now. Like, Oh, Brady left us. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, uh, I'll text my buddy, uh, Patrick Laird and see what the what the vibes are. Actually he might play tonight. Actually I bet he will. I bet we will get to see our Laird and Savior, my uh, my good buddy Patrick Laird play tonight. That's exciting. I didn't and we've really talked like about, about that. two
2: teams, Davis, Washington and uh, Tampa, where we've heard very little positive news out of their training camps, right? The whole Rivera botching talking about the enemy and then Tampa, like you said, the only team out there with an actual quarterback controversy or battle which is the saddest of the battles there nobody the fan base certainly doesn't want either of them to win they're hoping that there's a third option out there they'd probably hope that phil river phil rivers comes out of retirement which we heard a story about him uh and the niners this week we uh probably hope that phil rivers comes out of retirement to give it one last shot as opposed to either of these guys
1: that was a wild story um, that uh, yeah. that the 49ers would have potentially started Phillip Rivers in the Super Bowl had they got it there. Okay, <laughs> Anthony Richardson, he is going to be starting against the Buffalo Bills. I I would say this. He's definitely going to make one play that, like, makes you want to vomit. He is going to, like, it'll be, I don't know if it'll be a strip sack. I don't know if it will be a horrible interception that, like, a high school quarterback wouldn't throw. At. But there's going to be one play That's awful. That's terrible. But I also believe it in my bones to my very core. He is also going to have like a 17 yard rushing touchdown where he pushes over two safeties. A linebacker is like trying to hold on to his waist and can't get him down. And by Monday morning, his average draft position in all of these fantasy drafts is going to be like the seventh quarterback off the board. And he's going to go in like the sixth round. Like, I, 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 both of those things are absolutely going to be true. And I think the Colts are for sure going to play their starters for a minimum of a quarter. Whereas I bet, I bet we don't even see Matt Barkley. Like I bet we're seeing nothing but bills backups.
2: Uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's completely accurate on the bill's side. I love the predictions on the Richardson side. It's going to make sense, not just for this game, but probably for this season, it's the type of season that he will have. You're going to have head scratching plays like the CJ Stroud interception last night was awful. It was awful. And that is the type of throw we'll probably end up seeing from other rookies. It's okay, by the way. It's part of the process. Nobody's going to go out there and have a clean rookie season and win MVPs. That's not what we're looking for. But I think really, more than anything, again, obviously new head coach, new offensive system, new quarterback. They do need to get a a look at him in live action. And more importantly for the Colts, I think some of the guys that are around from last year, they can't wait to wash the stink off of what happened last year that was a team that was presumed to have won a division and it could not have gone any worse. They were really one of the biggest dumpster fires in the NFL last year. Jeff Saturday was their head coach and it couldn't have gone worse from there. So I think the Colts need some positive news. And even if Richardson makes a couple of bonehead rookie plays, I think they're going to roll with it.
1: Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, like, again, like what information is there to be gained about Gardner Minshew? I think there's a lot of information to be gained. And also like Anthony Richardson has started at quarterback like a very low number of games in his life like even going back to high school like I think he's like sub 40 games started as a quarterback period so it's just like good I mean it's good for him it's good processing information uh guys we're gonna go ahead and run into break here real quick on the program some more NFL chatter when we get back don't go anywhere Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on Sports Grid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by my buddy, Mike Blewett. We are doing a little bit of preseason NFL chatter and uh, also going to take a look at some of the futures markets here for the 2023 NFL season, beginning with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Obviously, the presumption is Bijan Robinson going to get 270 carries, going to get, I don't know, 60, 70 targets, something like that. Certainly, he projects to get far and away the most opportunities to touch the ball of any offensive rookie. We've got the number one overall pick, Bryce Young playing with a bunch of jabronis, honestly, in, in Carolina. Adam Thielen, three years, $25 million. We got CJ Stroud, who we saw struggle a little bit last night. We're going to see Anthony Richardson on Sunday. Maybe we'll get a look at Jameer Gibbs. Honestly, I, I would definitely not bet Bijan at this price. I definitely would not bet Bryce Young at this price, which tells me that there's probably something a little bit exploitable in this market.
2: Right. So to give so a little history, the last 10 years, we've had an interesting mix of rookies of the year. The last two have been wide receivers, but in the last 10 years, it's just three wide receivers. Four times it was running back, and then another three quarterbacks. So you the, the market can be pretty mixed on this, and I, I think you're right to say that, despite all the great reports out of Bijan and the the extreme number of attempts that he'll probably see. And we know that they're going to be very focused on, I think controlling the clock and running the ball. There's still just not enough talent on the, that ball on the other side of the ball defensively in Atlanta to expose them as much. I think they'll try to control the clock and win games that way. I don't love it, but I think that's, seems to be what Arthur Smith is, is wanting to do. I, I appreciate that he's a creative offensive coach. I'd like to see them throw more. I just think it's going to be very run heavy. I think you think that as well. The problem is what you said: the price. Don't we both? We probably both think that at some point early in the season these odds will get longer than they are now. They aren't going to continue to get shorter. So Bijan goes wire to wire with the rookie of the year award. I just don't see it playing out like that. It's not, it's not typical for rookie running backs to just explode on the scene early in the season. So I think you can just get a better price if you waited on Bijan. That's my opinion. Uh, Obviously, Zay Flowers looks interesting, but I just don't know, Davis, if he'd get the requisite number of targets from Lamar in this new offense, which is an intriguing thing to discuss. But is he going to get the requisite number of targets with Bateman there, with Odell there, to really have a breakout season like we saw the last two years from Garrett Wilson and from jamar chase
1: yeah i mean it's uh it's definitely one of those things like i i sort of believe zay flowers is good enough to do it um and and he's getting a lot of like super positive reports in training camp and everything it it would just be a volume thing right because this really sort of is like a volume based award i think the numbers on the quarterbacks are all pretty bad i i I really wouldn't touch any of them probably the one I, if I was if I was taking a stab, it would be Kincaid for the Bills, because I think he could get something like uh, fifty-five touchdowns. receptions, eight hundred yards, but like a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. the best bet though, and this is this one I made last year, uh, is is the running backs who you see having a path to playing time. Like like Walker and Brees would not have been like super favorites to be real contenders for that award. I bet Rashad White last year. And he ended up getting the opportunity. He just wasn't very good. I mean, obviously, you, you have to be kind of good. So super deep stab would be Roshan Johnson for the Bears.
2: Uh, that's an interesting one. That Obviously, people are presuming that Fields will be running the ball a lot again, but it's possible that they utilize him. I had Walker tickets last year. I just thought there was a path there for him to pick up a lot of carries. It didn't work out, but he's also – the first guy to, to lose that received the highest number of first place votes. They changed the voting process last year. So Wilson received more points and ultimately earned the award. But uh, Kenneth Walker actually had more first place votes for rookie of the year last year. So I, I think Davis brings up a good point. You got to look for a path for playing time, uh, running backs that can stack it up. I, I just Bijan's at the top of the board right now. I think you can wait. And even if it's just four to one or five to one, I I, I think this price is a little too short right now.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's take a look at the Super Bowl odds. The Bills have gotten a little bit shorter, which I think is sort of interesting. The Chiefs still sitting there at six to one. The Eagles at eight to one. Bengals tend I mean, honestly, like this market, this is the most wait until the season market ever. If I was gonna bet yeah. one of these teams, it would definitely be the Ravens. I I mean I don't know. I think I've lost a Ravens Super Bowl ticket every year since 2020. Like, I just can't (laughs) help myself when I see that because I think they're, I think they're so well coached. I'm such a Lamar believer. This is, I anticipate going to be the best offense that Lamar ever has. I guess really the issue is, are the Ravens ever winning that AFC conference championship game in Arrowhead? Like, probably not. I just, that's probably. So I think if you do want one of these other AFC teams, you just got to play it like, Kelsey tears his ACL or something and and the chiefs just can't score. Like the winning that AFC conference championship game is just so hard. I mean, I, I know, yep. I know Burrow has done it, but if that is just, that is a, like, you are going to be a, a four point dog. It's, it's just, I don't know, man. I, the Ravens probably can't win that game.
2: Be, and I think particularly because the AFC North could be so competitive this year that, I don't really see a path to any of the AFC North teams, as you're stating, hosting numerous games in the playoffs, right? I just think that there's there's not really a path for that. Forget forget that Burrow's dealing with a calf injury right now. Let's just assume him to be 100% in week one. I, I just still think they'll get knocked off. Going on the road in the AFC North and the way that those teams play each other is tough. You know, The Steelers had a lot of offensive struggles last year, and I don't think the offense is going to be markedly better this year but it will be better and that was a team that went nine and eight when they were brutally brutal offensively for most of the year so that's the team that came in third place last year and we obviously just got on talking about how Deshaun Watson could have a bounce back year that team was also terrible offensively at times last year and they still went seven and ten so highly competitive teams in the AFC North make it very difficult to to find a path to win that AFC championship game. I think you're right. The Bowl odds for me, uh, I think you can take some positions here, but you're, you're really betting short. Um, The only thing I like about the Eagles obviously is I just don't really know who else is going to knock them off other than the Niners. I, I just don't really see any other teams in the NFC that are as good as the Eagles top to bottom. The Niners are their only competition in my eyes, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if Seattle can can run it back and have another uh, highly competitive season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I sort of, I sort of believe the, I sort of believe in the Seahawks. I just like the only bets I would make right now in the NFC would be like total deep shots, like the Rams or mm-hmm. something, because yeah. I think that conference, I think that conference is just so unbelievably wide open. I think, uh, you know, I don't know, probably eight, honestly, probably eight of the ten best teams are actually in the AFC which is not the way the power balance is supposed to be MVP Correct. um I do not have a bet in this market yet what I have done each of the last 3 years is waited for Mahomes to get deeper than 10 to 1 and then bet that one last year uh did not win the prior two years because NFL media members love to fawn over Aaron Rodgers who stinks uh this year <laughs> I will tell you okay. the two the two teams who want their quarterback to win an MVP are the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Chargers? If it's close at all, uh, if if they you know it's the fourth quarter and they're up ten points and they, the coach is deciding, do I want to try and get more points or do we just ride it out? I I very firmly believe both the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Chargers will be trying to get their quarterbacks MVPs. Um, so that which I think totally matters, completely matters to this. The Chiefs did this last year. The Chiefs wanted. Mahomes to get to his record there were multiple spots where they were up double digits in the fourth quarter and they sent Mahomes back out there to get more points um so I I think that totally matters
2: two other guys I'll put in the camp that you just put together Lamar obviously in the new offense and Trevor Lawrence do you think that there's a path for Trevor Lawrence to put up the numbers to win the MVP it's my only question Calvin Ridley is a really great addition for them and I think Doug Peterson might put Trevor Lawrence in the position to do that. And given their competition within their division, I think Jaguars can actually win a lot of games this year.
1: Yeah, I think they can too. I actually, and you know what? I actually, I actually should have uh, made that point as well. I think the, I mean, how much would the, how much would the Jaguars love to to have an MVP? I mean, have the Jaguars ever Ooh. had an MVP? Probably not, right? I I would guess they no never had an MVP. So that would be that would be. Pretty big for them. Now, Offensive Player of the Year, a far more interesting market because basically what's happened is the MVP award is the best quarterback and Offensive Player of the Year is the best non-quarterback. Like you might as well take Mahomes out of this, like Fields, none of yeah. these guys. It's not. Um, easily far and away best bet in this market, Cooper Cup, thirty to one. Cooper Cup won it two years ago, was on pace to have just as good of a season as Justin Jefferson. Now, does this mean Oh, it's a lead pipe lock. He should be the same. No, but he should be priced there in my opinion, uh, right with chase and Jefferson, like 15 to one, 18 to one, something like that. That's my wager in this market. Uh,
2: I like it. I also, I think Tyreek at 20 to one is pretty interesting as well. Uh, We, we are obviously dealing with variables there that are difficult with Tua's health concerning about that, but, I think anytime you're playing these markets, you're trying to figure out the, the relative paths for somebody to get there and narratives that are associated with it. I think Tyreek putting up really big numbers. The, the only issue, the major issue with Tyreek beyond the to his health is, are people going to be willing to vote for him? I, I think there's an air about Tyreek that people don't love his personality, his off-field stuff is has hung over his head, but it hasn't impacted his play at all. So will people actually vote for Tyreek in this scenario? That's I think that's what you'd have to consider. But the numbers could certainly be there to to make him an offensive player of the year.
1: I think it's uh I think it, that's extremely true. Um, I mean, that's why Rogers that's why Rogers won it the two years before. Yeah. Like and like media members love that guy for whatever reason. And now they Maybe. don't, right? I think I think Rodgers could have a better season for the Jets this year than he had when he won the MVP in 2021 and he still wouldn't win win it because they don't, they don't like him anymore. Uh, all right, real quick, defensive player of the year odds. Uh, I mean, I'm just betting Aaron Donald at 20 to one. I don't care. Like if the actual best defensive (laughs) player in the NFL won this award, he would win every year. So getting, obviously his numbers will not be as good as Parsons Garrett or Watt or Bosa, but he's the best defensive player.
2: So, I I think when it comes to narratives, you're right about Aaron Donald. And I think when you get somebody like that at longer odds, I think you have to take a hard look at him. I had a ticket on Max Crosby last year. And I, I, I usually spread this market out a little bit. So I'll take three or four shots. I'll have a ticket on Max Crosby. I don't like betting the favorites typically in this market because there's always trials and tribulations throughout the year. Where you, their odds will get longer, but I actually do think this could be the year if he puts up another good number of sacks that Miles Garrett takes it. They've been kind of passing the baton amongst the the, the really good pass rushers with Bosa and Watt, and obviously Donald before that. But I think Miles Garrett might have a shot this year.
1: All right, there we go. I uh, I mean, I definitely think Miles Garrett has a shot, but Aaron Donald is for sure getting my vote. Going to go ahead and run into a break here real quick. We are sadly going to have to say goodbye to my good friend, Mr. Mike Blewett. See you guys back here in a few moments on SportsGrid.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back in to our final wrapping up segment of hour one. Still got two more. Or still got another hour to hang out with me here on SportsGrid. And if you're going to miss me when the morning after is over, make sure that you guys download the SportsGrid app. Of course, you can already download that on the Apple App Store. But now uh, we've got you set. It's almost football season. The dog days of summer are ending The English Premier League season is beginning. You need the SportsGrid app, and it's live in the Google Play Store as the NFL season fast approaches. We wanted to make sure that we had all of our Android-using friends covered. Stay sharp with our Major League Baseball and our WNBA matchup previews and picks. It's a great extension of all of the cool tools and projections we have on SportsGrid.com, which, by the way, I mean, just bookmark SportsGrid.com on your desktop. Make it your opening page. Make sure that you're there every single day to track scores and live odds. You can, of course, get those inside of the app. You can stay up to speed on all the latest content from your favorite host. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not me. Maybe you hate when I come on the morning after and you really prefer the dulcet tones of one Mr. Ben Stevens. Maybe it's Craig Mish. Maybe it's Scotty Farrell. You can get all of that in the app. You can watch or listen to us live. Anytime, anywhere on the app, the Sports Grid app available on iOS and now the Google Play Store. It's smarter to be on Sports Grid. Real quick NL pennant odds. We are going to guess the odds. The final day of the regular season, game 162 has been played. I think it's going to look very similar to what it looks like now. Braves, huge favorites. Dodgers, huge favorites. But I'm going to go way out on a limb. I'm going to, I'm going to, old takes, expose myself here. On the program. I actually think the San Diego Padres are going to continue to make up this distance inside of the NL West. I think they're going to pass the Giants. I for sure think they're going to pass the Cubs and the Marlins to be determined on the Cincinnati Reds. Right now, they are 55 and 60. I'm going to predict that they are able to get to the requisite number of wins to get to the second wild card and that they end up at 9 to 1 for the NL pennant running to break here real quick on the program i'll be right back to continue the morning after with you in our second hour don't go anywhere